Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back, beautiful children of God, to yet another amazing episode of yet another podcast. Your boys, Summit and Thunmit, we are back. What up, Summit? What's going on? Chilling, brother. How are you? Yeah, I just realized I'm I'm all right. I'm very tired, but I'm I'm good. Uh, I just realized we've been saying the exact same thing in the intro for a whole year. <laughs> That's the point. That's my genius. That's the ingenious of my branding. Consistency, <laughs> consistency, consistency. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Even the outro is always the same. You just realize realizing that now? No, I'm just saying we've 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 kept it pretty consistent. But what I mean is like it's been a whole year that we've been we haven't yes. changed it up at all. No, we, I don't think we're going to. I think we need to continue with this branding. Uh, and it's funny because, like, I don't think it was well thought out or I don't think it was planned. It just sort of happened. It just happened, yeah. And uh, after after it happened the first time, I was like, all right, well, I guess that's my intro. I can't change it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, it works. So, it's good. Yeah, no, I like it. It's cool. Uh, people are getting used to it. Shout out to our listeners, man. If you're out there in the world listening to our podcast, shout out to you. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're safe. I hope you're healthy. I hope your family, your friends, and your loved ones are all healthy and staying safe. These are some crazy times. For sure. um, the um, We talked a lot about this on the last episode. Um, America especially um is going through a very uh i feel like it's going to be a a defining time in our history Mm -hmm. uh when people look back at the at 2020 as a year i feel like this shit needs its own chapter in the history books like (laughs) (laughs) it might need its own book (laughs) 50 years from Fifty years from now, when they open up the history books and start studying American history, twenty twenty has its own fucking chapter. Because um, Man, honestly, at this point, it feels like every month in twenty twenty has felt like its own year. Yeah, it really does, and, and every month keeps upping itself. Like I, <laughs> May and June, we're looking at looking at April. Like, oh, that's all you got? Some some fucking <laughs> virus? That's it. <laughs> It's a popularity contest. <laughs> yeah. They're like, let me show you another kind of virus. Racism, bitch. <laughs> All these months tra- chasing clout. Yeah, basically. <laughs> the months the months in 2020 are fucking Generation Z kids. They're just <laughs> clout chasing motherfuckers. Um, no, it's crazy, man. Shit is uh, crazy in the world right now. And uh, actually, you know what? I want to talk about real quick. Actually, it might not be quick, but I want to talk about um, I want to talk about a very interesting interaction that I had this week. Uh, it has been very humbling. It has been very eye-opening. Uh, it seemed a bit frustrating to start off with, um, and uh, but. Overall, I'm very, very grateful for the interaction. Uh, so I'm going to break it down for you as, as to the sort of uh, turn of events and what happened, okay? So as you know, uh, since May 31st, uh, we decided as a brand that we were not going to promote 
anything on our Instagram that was related to our business. Uh, we stopped posting about our products. We stopped posting about our promotions. We stopped reposting customers who were posting uh, with our products. Uh, we stopped posting about any promotions or offers or deals or anything like that. And we started focusing our attention on the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, started to make our social media page, our Instagram page, a place where people can find resources on where to donate, where to sign up for petitions, uh, where to show up for protests, uh, to show the black community that we as South Asians stand with them and are in full support of their rights um, and that we don't stand for the injustices that, are, that, that black people are going through and have been going through in this country. So we were doing that for about, uh, about a week or a week and a half, I want to say, right? Um, and then... On I don't even remember what day it was, but I want to say maybe what's today? Today's what Wednesday or Wednesday. something? Today's Wednesday, so it's either Sunday or Monday. It's probably Monday. Uh, we posted something on our Instagram uh, that was again also to show our allyship, to show our solidarity, to show our support, and uh, somebody commented on the post, um, basically saying. Um, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have it in front of me, but they basically said uh, you as a business profit off of black culture and benefit from black culture. You appropriate black culture. What are you doing to give back to black culture right now? And uh, I'm going to be completely honest, like that really caught me off guard the moment I saw it. I was like, what the fuck like where is this coming from like literally we haven't been making money for a week because we've stopped promoting our own products we've you know given up our revenue our main revenue stream um for this cause and we stand in solidarity with this cause and so i was kind of like dumbfounded like where is this where is this coming from you know uh, and so uh, our social media manager, Vijaya, she uh, she drafted up a response uh, and she let me look at it. And I thought it was a pretty good response. And so uh, we basically said something along the lines of, you know, uh, what I just explained, like, hey, for the past 10 days, we've been, you know, focusing all our efforts on the Black Lives Matter movement. We're, we're showing up at protests. Uh, we're making our voices heard. Mm -hmm. We are sharing resources with our audience. We're, we're, telling, we're encouraging our audience, which is mainly South Asians, to have tough conversations within their families and their communities. Uh, and, you know, we're doing a lot of grassroots work or whatever. And um, I thought, you know, okay, that should answer their, this person's question and, and kind of dissolve this matter, right? Mm -hmm. And instead, I got a response uh which was the comment he he responded saying um that sounds like a lot of performative action without any substance um what are you doing to redistribute wealth 
uh, within the black community? Uh, what bail funds have you donated to? Which organizations have you donated to? Um, and, uh, you know, things like that. And I was like, wow, like, I didn't expect that. And at that point, I was like, okay, I've, I've, and I'm, if I'm being completely candid, I almost felt shamed into donating, you mm-hmm. know? And I was like, is somebody really trying to shame me into donating money? Because, you know, I, I do make donations every now and then, and I have made some during this time, but I haven't publicized them, you know? Right. Uh, and those are all from my personal side. Like, Rootsgear doesn't really have the kind of profits to be making donations like that. And so... Um, I, I was just kind of like caught off guard and I was like, you know what? I don't think I want to engage in this conversation anymore. Mm-hmm. Let me just leave it alone. Let me, let me come back to it if I need to think about it some more. Uh, and it really made me uneasy and, and it just kind of made me very uncomfortable. And then the, the next day we posted something else on our story, which was also related a- along the same lines. Um, and I got a story response, uh, this time in all caps, saying, bro, this shit is weak. What are you guys doing? Uh, you guys benefit off of black culture. You appropriate black culture. What are you guys doing to make things right? This is, this is not enough, blah, blah, blah. Wait, sorry. This is the same person? Same person. Okay. This is all the same person. Um, uh, and shout out to this person because, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll say why later. Um, and so at that point, you know, this whole this whole movement, the the events that happened, everything that's been happening in the country in the last two weeks, uh, anybody that sees themselves as an ally, anybody that sees themselves as a human, anybody that is black, um, emotions have been very high for a lot of those people and everyone has been on edge and, uh, you know, it's been tricky and and my first thought if i'm being completely honest was to my first thought was wow this seems like some misguided frustration or it seems like some misguided anger like i i think this person is just angry with the current situation and they want to find an easy target and i just happen to be it today right that was my initial thought and so uh, crazy enough, I actually know this guy. I've known him for many years now. Uh, we've hung out a, a handful of times. Um, so my first response, like as soon as I saw that story reply, uh, I kind of like lost my cool, which was not a good thing to do. It was not professional. It was not it was not good at all. Uh, I kind of lost my cool and I was like, bro, that's at this point, I don't think anything I'm going to do is going to appease you. I'm sorry. I'm not living up to your standards, like prayer hands, whatever. And then literally like 15 seconds later, I had to catch myself and I was like, okay, you know what? I don't think, I don't think that's the right approach. Like clearly he's very upset about something and I don't think I'm doing a good enough job of hearing him out. So I was like, so I unsent the message. You know how you could do that on in the DMs? Should like you do that all the, <laughs> huh? It's, it saves a lot of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it saves you. Sometimes it saves you. <laughs> um, so I unsend it. And 
he actually follows me on my personal account too. And so I message him from my personal Instagram and I was like, Hey man, I saw your story reply. Um, I wanted to see if I can open up a dialogue here. Uh, if you want to get on the phone, we can have a phone conversation. Or if you want to do it by through message, that's fine too. And <laughs> crazily, crazy enough, he screenshotted the notification of that message that I had sent, even though he hadn't seen it. Like you know how you when you when you get a notification, like yeah. you can see see gave, the message. Gave him the preview. Yeah, so he actually saw that message, and he goes, uh, I saw this response, uh, and, you know, this is really troublesome. And so I had to apologize. I had to man up and apologize. I was like, look, man, like, m my emotions are just as high as yours during this time, and so I'm very sorry that I um, lost my cool and responded that way. I do want to have an open, constructive dialogue here. Uh, and I want to hear you out completely and, and see what I can do, you know? Mm. Um, so he went on and actually laid out a bunch of issues that he saw from looking at Roots Gear objectively. Uh, mm. You know, one of the things he pointed out was he was like, your brand clearly benefits from black culture, but hasn't been doing anything or hasn't been doing enough to give back to black communities or give back to black culture. Uh, he said that, you know, he hadn't seen enough from our, from our side on Instagram and things like that. Uh, he brought up a couple other points. Uh, one of the things he said, hold on, I'm going to pull it up real quick uh, because I want to be as accurate as possible. Um, oh, one of the things he said that kind of, caught me off guard was he said uh i've never seen a black lives matter post from y'all before this i'm happy you guys are speaking up now but the time for performative allyship was eight years ago when trayvon martin was killed not now uh now is the time to put your money where your mouth is and use your platform to advocate for real radical change um and then the last thing he said was normally i wouldn't say anything but uh, as one of the only brands, one of the only South Asian brands that appropriates black culture, I feel I needed to call y'all out. Um, hmm. And he, he was talking about how our response was falling short and things like that. Um, and so now yeah, well, that left before me Before you with, continue, my question to you yeah. is, do you agree with that assessment? So... <laughs> In my response, I highlighted the things that I agreed with and the, and the things that I didn't agree with. Right. And, then I, and then after this, just so anybody else that's out there that has really fast trigger fingers, like, wait till you hear this whole thing all the way to the end before, before you make your opinions, form your opinions or whatever it is, right? So anyway, um, when he said that, when he said that, um, that our response hasn't has been terrible mm -hmm. um i disagreed because i think that we've done a good job of really focusing the movement on our page and highlighting it as much as possible you know mm -hmm. uh spreading information whether that's whether that's from the roots gear page or from my personal page both were both were really uh, you know, showing solidarity and uh, providing information and raising awareness through social media. Um, when he said performance, when, when when he said that he hadn't seen, 
you know, um, any allyship before, I, I, I had to remind him that I was walking in the protests in D.C. eight years ago when Trayvon Martin was killed the same way I was, you know, this week, this last week. Um, so I've always been an ally of the black community. Um, but um, it came down to, and we had a couple back and forths, uh, and it came down to this, because uh, I'm, I'm trying to paraphrase this and not take up the whole episode talking about this, but it came down to this. When it comes to the the statement that Rootskier benefits from black culture, that's 100% true. And even if I've known that before, I've never, I've never found a way to fix that. You know what I mean? Like I've never seen, uh, and this is what the, so I'm working on a statement to po- post through Rootskier. And uh, I kind of want to read it a little bit. Um, so th- this is my response, basically, okay? From this whole conversation, this is what came out. Um, it's been said before, but I'll say it again so we're all on the same page. Streetwear culture wouldn't be where it is if it wasn't for black culture and black people. Do you agree, Summit? I agree. Okay. And even though we've always considered ourselves to be allies to the black community, we've been too blind to see that the industry isn't built on a level playing field. Do you agree with that? I agree. Black people, black designers, black entrepreneurs aren't awarded the same opportunities and privileges that we are. And the list of those opportunities and privileges is extremely long, but it includes things like education, banking, access to... uh, uh, you know, or even 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 having a stable family income, or access to loans, or access access to home loans or mortgages, mm. uh, access to role model role models, mentors, networks, things like that. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah. And think about this for a second: if black culture is one of the largest influences to streetwear culture, you would think that the majority of streetwear brands would be black owned. Right. Right. But if you look at a list of probably the top, even the top 25 or top 50 streetwear brands out right now, majority of them, I would say majority of them are owned by either white people or people of privilege like brown people, Asian people. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about Nike, Adidas, Supreme, Stussy, Huff, Palace, Diamond Supply, Hundreds, Staple Pigeon, uh, Johnny Cupcakes, um, uh, Vetements, Stone Island, uh, you know, Kith, one of the other really, really big ones. So many of these are the most popular names in streetwear right now, and majority of these are not owned by black people. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't show you the disparity that that exists, then I don't know what can. So I'm working on a visual to showcase this and, and, and highlight it on all our platforms through our email and, and on our social media that look at this. Like if black culture is such a big part of streetwear, why is it that none of these brands are owned by black people? 
Mm-hmm. Why isn't it that why isn't it that black it's people true. are on the table making decisions for things like this? The right. only person I could think of, th- there are a few, obviously. Pharrell is is a part owner at, at, at Billionaire Boys Club. That's a big brand. Is he a part owner or full owner? I can't remember. Um, he. Uh, uh, it's uh, Off White, Virgil Abloh. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Lo- Lorenzo. What's his name? I forget his name. Jared Lorenzo. Uh, yeah, exactly him. So there are a few, but not as many as not as many as you would think, and not as many for it to make sense. Like, like you know, it would make sense if it was most of them. So anyway. Plain and simple, it's unfair. You know what I mean? It's just unfair. And so now we as streetwear brand owners and Complex actually wrote a piece about this uh, that's bookmarked that I need to read. Um, But we as streetwear brand owners now have to do something to correct this disparity. And I was not... I was not... um, aware enough of how bad this disparity is till this moment. So shout out to shout out to the brother that called us out and even though he came out swinging to begin with and I was like, "Hey man, like you know, I wish you would have started with compassion, but you know, I'm not here to critique his method or or the way he reached out or whatever. At the end of the day, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have I wouldn't have had these realizations that are like fucking, you know, they're they're define they're defining moments in Root Skier's history, quote unquote, right? Mm-hmm. So basically what's come out of all of that is that um there's going to be some things that I'm going to be doing that that are going to have immediate impact and that are going to be sort of immediate things that I can do, short-term things that I could do, and then long-term things that I could do as a brand to start to level this playing field, right? Um, And so the first thing that I'm doing is offering free consultations to any aspiring black entrepreneurs, black artists who are looking to get started in the e-commerce space or if they're already in the e-commerce space and just need help growing or just need advice or whatever. Um, So I'm going to start doing that. And then the second thing that we'll be doing is we'll be releasing a line of products to raise money for organizations and i haven't figured out exactly which charities i want to donate to uh a lot of people have been saying to donate to bail funds and things like that um and the naacp and um, aclu but i would really love to find a charity that specifically uh, fosters art and entrepreneurship or encourages art and entrepreneurship and helps black artists and black entrepreneurs. Uh, so whether that's a scholarship fund or whether that's some sort of grant thing or whatever, I don't know. I'll have to fight to find the right charity, but because that's the space I'm in and that's the space that I want to contribute to. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the long term, it, it, it's going to have to be, it's going to be it's going to have to be something that we have to consciously keep in mind all the time as we make business decisions on a regular basis on a on a on a annual basis on a monthly basis whatever it is like if we can buy from black brands or if we can buy from buy from um 
black businesses we will if we can support black businesses any way we will if we can collaborate with black brands we will if we can collaborate with black designers we will you know like these are things that i think in the long run we have to start doing and not just me uh this is going to be a call out to all south asian inspired streetwear brands um because if if we've been here 16 years and and people look at us as pioneers and people follow our lead in different things if you if if you've ever followed my lead as a brand before or if you've never followed my lead before as a brand i don't care um if you own a south asian streetwear brand uh, I would hope that you will uh, align your business ethos with ours moving forward so we can fix this issue. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the past two days, though they were uneasy and uncomfortable because, you know, even when the conversation was not happening, there was a thought just running in the back of my head like, why is this happening Am I not a good enough ally? Have I not been up, been to enough protests? Have I not shown enough solidarity? You know, just sort of like doubting myself. Um, and like, it's been uncomfortable, but what came out of it is, I think, very beautiful. And I'm really looking forward to uh, being a thought leader in this space and, and changing that uh, just changing the way we do business moving forward as streetwear brands mm-hmm. that are not black owned. Right. I feel that. So that's my very short anecdote that only took like 20 minutes to, Yo, <laughs> to all share. the dot 20 minutes. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, I have thoughts. I have thoughts okay. uh, about a bunch of the stuff that you've shared over the last, uh, again, 20 minutes. No, I was kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it actually raised, like, the things that you mentioned raised a few points that I had been thinking about for the last, like, at least week and a half, right? Ever since the protest started and all that. Yeah. I think there's things that you see in the protest that you see at every protest. You get what I mean? Like, right. there's repeat action with without uh, any kind of uh, reaction, right? From right. either us as citizens, fellow citizens of black people, or from the government perspective, right? Right. So first issue i want to raise is i think right now is a as you mentioned it's a very volatile time uh from a society standpoint right and i completely align with black lives matter i completely align with the plight of black people i have a hundred percent support all the protests that are happening and every effort that's being made to level the playing field as you mentioned right right the one thing i do have an issue with though and not just based on your story alone, but I've seen other people doing this as well, mm-hmm. is that they're kind of pigeonholing people into only supporting in the ways that they deem acceptable, right? Mm. And here's mm. the issue with that. That concept is subjective person to person, right? right? So one person might say, hey, the biggest thing or best thing you can do is donate to a bail fund. Okay, right. cool. Person next to them might say, "Actually, I think the best thing you can do is donate straight to you know NAACP or something like that." Right, right, right. right. Or somebody might say, "Look, what you're doing, the messages that you're sending, and you're portraying out to the public, are just as important as being able to donate or uh, uh, contribute financially." Right. 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 So, it comes back to this whole message of: is is what you're doing ever going to be enough, or Mm -hmm. Is it one of those situations where 
because of how much there is left to do, it feels like we all have to do everything. Yeah, and it, it's a mix of that and are you doing enough to prove to people publicly that you're doing enough too, you know? Right. Um, I mean, I because, think that's a way of just owning the accountability aspect of it. Right. But I also do think that if like, if you have a platform and you can mm-hmm. portray, like, you know, put out that message that everybody should be donating or contributing or doing something that's positive right. towards that effort, then that is something that you can do, right? And you right. have that platform, you have the capability, you should utilize it. Those of us who don't necessarily have that level of platform, right? do you have to go out and advertise it, right? right? Is that necessary? As long as you know that you did your part, why is it necessary to advertise that aspect of it? Like, I we get talked it. About the, if, yeah, we talked about right? this many episodes ago where yeah. we talked about, like, is it, is it still charity if you don't post about it on Instagram? Yeah, and, and I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not even going to get into all that, right? Because, like... Yeah. There are there are things that I've seen in the protests that are very surface level bullshit that I've I, I want to call people out on, yeah. Because like half the time I really just feel like they're out there is because it's a photo op, right? And, <coughs> Priyanka Chopra. Sorry, keep going. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's a great example of that, right? So I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, I think it was late last week, and we were discussing like the things that you can do to contribute or help, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talked about it on last week's episode. What are some things that you can do to contribute towards that change? And one of the things we mentioned was vote, right? Another thing we mentioned was talk about it, have those difficult conversations like the one that you shared with us, right? 100%. These conversations are absolutely necessary. But there's other ways, and everybody can figure out their own way of contributing, you know, just as as you mentioned that you're now offering free consulting services. There are things that every single person can do in some way, right? Yeah. But is it ever going to feel like it's enough? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't feel enough that we're posting it on our Instagram stories mm. and just sharing it. Because right now, it's we're looking at it as we I have content it. to post. You get what I mean? Yeah. But at what point... Like, is, At what is point do we me- feel like we've achieved our goal? I, I, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I, and, I, and that's the thing, right? Like, I understand that we need to come together as a society to create that change. It's not just for black people to create that change for right. themselves. It, it's just like I struggle with this concept of being kind of forced into the types of ways that you can be part of that. Change. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I, so I'll say this: um, everything that everyone was doing was working and did work to a certain extent. Um, you know what I mean? Because yeah. if you look at the stats, we saw a lot of change come out of this. Not only just the murder charges being changed and the people being char- and the three other police officers being charged in the George Flo- George Floyd case, but Breonna Taylor's murderers that case being reopened. Right. Uh, we saw a lot of changes in the M- Minneapolis Police Department. There's news of um, you know a lot of different cities around the U.S. that are now. Uh, um, you know, reconsidering how they fund their police departments and things like that. So there is some change happening, you know. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I don't think it's ever going to feel like enough. That's the thing, right? Because it, it, you know, the message that you received, I think that there's a very thin line between performative con- contributions mm-hmm. and actual change right right so <clears throat> you had mentioned something that brought up a 
a topic of conversation that I had been thinking about before, but I don't want to get into all that right now. But essentially, you being called out in that way, I don't think is fair. I, I like I understand, you know, what is going on and what the what the societal like shifts are are going to be, right? Yeah. But the thing for me is, is there ever like you mentioned? Is there ever going to be a point where this feels like we've done enough, right? And I don't think there's ever going to be that, mm. right? And We're never going to get like, to that level. I, I can't speak on it at such a large level because one, I'm not a community organizer. I'm not a I'm not an uh, activist. I'm not a politician. I'm not a grassroots movement organization or whatever. Like, I can only speak on what I know, which yeah. is the streetwear industry, and that's it. Yeah. And if I can, if everybody that works in their, you know, works and operates in their little niches, can start to try and make changes in those you know, specific places, yeah. I think we'll start seeing change um, at the larger level. You know what I mean? 100%. So that's why when we say, when we encourage our audience members to have uh, conversations with their families and their communities, like their temples or masjids or whatever it is, it's it's because we understand that they're not streetwear brands. They're not, you know, politicians. They're just people that are citizens of this country or residents of this country that basically live, you know, everyday average lives or whatever. And that's what they control. That's what they can do. You know what I mean? They can control where they shop. They can control how their parents react to the black community. They can control those sort of things. Right. Um, So, yeah, I, I, I mean, like I said, at the end of the day, um, part of me did feel like, wow, like, why is the expectation so high for me? Like yeah. I didn't realize so, I had that much stature or, or influence or whatever, but in a way he was, he was right. Like I, the way I operate my business fundamentally can, can spark some level of change. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what I mean by like having that platform. However, you choose or you think is the most effective way to you for you to contribute to that cause. That's the way it should yeah. be done, right? Here's my other issue: this whole idea of being consistent in this movement, right? Right. There are those who are doing, you know, that have been uh, continuing the Black Lives Matter uh, efforts and have been doing that for years, right? Right. Trayvon Martin era, maybe even before that. But the majority, and I don't want to call out black people. I'm just saying from my perception, right, this movement gets reignited every time there's something major like this George Floyd incident that that takes place, right? And so to us as outsiders of that community, what we're looking in, to us it does seem like it comes in waves, right? And the issue there is it's, it's, it's very passive, in a way, in the sense that, like, okay, yeah, you protest for a week, and then what? Right? What happens? Do you still yeah. continue? Right? Because there are tons of people out there, and and this is actually something that I was going to say earlier is that one of the things I've noticed on Twitter, some of my followers or the people that I follow, I've noticed. Obviously, the conversation on Twitter has been very Black Lives Matter heavy, the protest heavy, right. etc. Right? And anytime there's anybody who has any kind of opinion on it. Right. Right. One of my followers or, my, you know, my mutuals, whatever, 
will call out that person and say, okay, what are you going to do about it, right? Mm. What are you going to do about it? So literally, this is the, a, a form response to every single tweet yeah. that they're seeing, right? Mm. Now, I get that, that you're trying to pass, not pass the accountability, but also create a, a shared accountability as a community. Right. So I get that aspect of it. But it comes back to this point that people have opinions. They should yeah. be able to maintain that opinion and follow through with that opinion, whatever it may be, right? Yeah. But the, the, the other part of that is that, again, only lasts for a short time, right? And so yeah, when and we but, see that but happening... You see, the, you see that with every movement and, and with any, any sort of change, you know... Um, like I remember back in the early 2000s when the Iraq war and the Afghanistan war was like a was like the main reason to protest, right? Um, those protests were 10, 20 times larger than Black Lives Matter protests that I've seen because you know it was it was free of any sort of race. Everybody, whether they were black, white, or whatever, were showing up to that showing up to that protest but a week later bush still did whatever the fuck he wanted to do because the protest stopped because people stopped showing up because people are people and people have jobs people have lives people lose energy over this stuff you know like it it's draining to protest whether that's virtually or or in person even virtually there's what we're seeing now is 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 like exhaustion from the protesters we're tired of talking about it online we're tired of of reposting things we're tired of seeing these images and stuff like that people are people are exhausted from it but that doesn't mean the movement stops and you're right like yes every time something happens people come back out into the streets and protest again that's just how it's going to be like I, i i i think that's just how humanity functions society functions you know what i mean like yeah. uh if you think about the gay rights movement like that's how they function too uh you know every time there was a major bill that was going to get passed or not going to be passed or whatever it was they showed out and and they started making calls and signing petitions and showing up to lobbies mm-hmm. and things like that because it was around the time that something was going to happen so right. So um, I actually had a conversation, you know, all last week. Somebody asked me, "Okay, why are they protesting?" And I explained it to them, right? Right. Obviously, this is somebody elder, somebody not necessarily aware of what the whole movement is about. Yeah. So they're looking at it with an, this external lens as, "Okay, what's going on?" But when I explained it to them, they're like, "Okay, well, they did the protest. The cops have been arrested now. Now what? Like, what? Why are they still protesting?" essentially right mm-hmm. and i'm like well yeah. they're protesting for constant change and continuous change to be able to right. make that contribution to- towards change right right and they said okay well they've done this how many times in the past what do they think is going to happen now and mm-hmm. i said look the way i see it is that this incident with george floyd this was the straw that broke the camel's back right this was the last straw they're, they're not taking yeah. anymore this is the time that they're gonna get change Right, right, and we're going to see change in this in, in a very large societal way. Hopefully, I, I'm very uh, you know no, I want to be optimistic. This is what I was yeah. explaining to the to the yeah, person yeah. I was talking to, right? And and right. I wanted to put it in that way because to me, like I want to see the movement continue. I want to see this same mm. flame carry on 
as time progresses. Like, I don't want to see that flame burn out like we have so many times in the past, right? Right, right. There, there, there's only so many times something can get reignited and stay mm-hmm. lit, right? Yeah. No, I, th- I think it's going to grow bigger. And I think one of the things that we talked about last time uh, I want to highlight again is I think as time progresses, uh we are i'm hoping we see more organ we see a more organized movement you know what i mean like you want to be able to show up to protests with everybody on the same page about the list of demands with you know speakers that are there to to make sure that everybody understands why we're here you know because like right now everything that's happening in the streets is very reactionary yeah. and that's perfectly valid and that's normal that's how shit usually happens but i think now that the movement has garnered the support of so many other people uh i think now we're really gonna start to see hopefully a more organized movement a movement that goes and lobbies for defunding of police departments a movement that you know, monthly is making calls to legislators and, and, and to people in power, uh, a movement that's constantly, I was, I was actually talking to your brother about this earlier today. Um, to a certain extent, organized movements have to start functioning like businesses. They have to think like businesses. They don't necessarily have to behave like businesses. They have to start thinking like businesses. And uh, this conversation came up because, uh, again, I keep drawing the parallel with the gay rights movement, but uh, we were talking about, we were like, wow, like if you think about it, 15 years ago, you know, people were using the word gay and faggot like left and right. It was normal. It was mm-hmm. it was a part of everyday speech and it was considered cool. Like if you didn't say the N word and if you didn't say gay and all that stuff, like, you know, you weren't really cool. Like you weren't considered cool. So like people were saying it nonstop. But I vividly remember uh, it must have. I don't remember the year, but I vividly remember ads on television that were discouraging people from using the way, the word gay in a derogatory way. Mm-hmm. And I remember Wanda Sykes, who's actually from Laurel, Maryland. Shout out, Maryland. <laughs> uh, shout out, Maryland. Wanda Sykes was one of those people. I remember on public television, I think it must have been like UPN or whatever the fuck, like those you Damn, know local. Throwback. Yeah, right? Those local networks were. But those ads used to air where it would be like, you know, a bunch of kids snickering and then using the word gay in a derogatory way. And she would turn around and be like, hey, that's not okay. Like, don't say that word, blah, blah, Mm. blah. And after so many, after you saw that ad so many times and you heard about that being wrong in so many different ways in mainstream media, that's when it, it literally, it literally disappeared from the vernacular of the American people. It definitely lingered a little longer than that. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so, but it's, it's but I get it's, your point. I get your point. It's absent now, right? Like yeah. Yeah. now you, you can't get away with that shit now. Like you would fucking I think we were all guilty of utilizing that. that that vernacular, the, that vocabulary, let's call it, right? Yeah. At, at some point in our past. And, and I, I think it's interesting that like when that gets uncovered now for people, especially the people who are celebrities. Yeah. And they have to now they're now getting ostracized and being held accountable for something they did 
10, 15 ago. years ago. Yeah, yeah, right? that, like, that's fucked up. I don't agree with that at all. I, I don't agree with that at all because human beings evolve and human beings learn and you can't be held accountable for your wrongdoings or not your wrongdoings, but like for your ignorance, you know, 15 years ago when it was pop culture. You know what I mean? Right. You should be given the benefit of the doubt that you have experienced change, change and you yeah. are no longer in that same mindset utilizing or acting in the same especially, way. Especially, yeah, especially if there's not a pattern of it. Like, right. you know, if he was still using the word today and still sort of making similar remarks and behaving in a similar way uh, or doing things that were homophobic or whatever, uh, then yes, sure, burn him. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. fucking, you know, like definitely cancel him or whatever. But right. that's not the case, right? So going back to what you, you know, when we started this conversation and, the, and uh, from the business perspective, from Roots Gear's perspective, what they can yeah. do in order to create change and stuff, right? Yeah. One, I had a tweet earlier this morning. I, told, I can't remember what time. But, but it was an idea that we are not seeing enough transparency from corporations and from large organizations that are saying they're either contributing a portion of their proceeds or you know whatever it is like so if you're out there selling something and you're saying that a portion of the proceeds are going to go towards mm. a certain charity or whatever there's right. not enough transparency for us to know how much of that percentage is actually being donated right right and i think in terms of holding people and or corporations and, and companies yeah. accountable and making them responsible right right they need to be more transparent because it's not enough to just say that pro a per mm. portion of proceeds. What if it's one percent? Right, right. Technically, you're not lying. You're still making your profit minus one percent, right. which isn't going to make any difference to you anyway, right? So maybe what you're saying is there needs to be a stark change for private companies that are retailers that are that are promising uh, contributions to nonprofits, where they should say like, "Hey, buy this T-shirt." And 100% of the proceeds will go to uh, NAACP. This, the cost of this T-shirt is $5, and we'll be selling it for $30. And so $25 from this T-shirt will be going. Like, maybe that's how clear I actually, they need to be. Or they need to say, look, we're not making, we're, we're going to cover the cost on this. And if you buy this for $30, $30 will be donated. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say that if it's a large company, large corporation, yeah. that's a retailer, they should yeah. be donating without having to make any sales at all, right? Because right. they're probably in a position to be able to do that. I'm, right. putting, I'm putting the onus right now on the smaller businesses that are looking at this right. as a business opportunity that, look, I can slap right. Black Lives Matter on a t-shirt and right. sell that, and I'm going to make my profit, and I'll just say to cover my ass from a, from a right. uh, perception and optics perspective and say, okay, a portion of the proceeds is going to get donated to mm. such and such charity or this bail fund, which I, yeah. have a, I have a question about bail funds too I want to ask you. Well, so, so you could draw the same parallel. Just two months ago, the same thing was happening with COVID-19. Yeah. There was a shit ton of small businesses that came out saying, hey, we're selling these masks, but a portion of these proceeds are going to this, this, and this to help yeah. with health equipment, with PPP, whatever, PPE, PPE whatever it is, yeah. things like that, right? And um, which is why, exactly why I was hesitant then. I was one of the late, well, I was late 
to release masks onto our site because I didn't want us to seem exploitative. Right. Uh, I didn't want us to seem like we were making money off of a terrible pandemic, a crisis in the country. Um, and, and then the same reason why I, I haven't even thought about releasing any gear that says black lives matter is till this conversation ha happened with this guy be because then it hit me. I was like, this is, and he even said it actually. He said that he said, um, he's been with, he's been a supporter or, or, a, or a whatever of roots gear for so long. He said, I bought one of my first t-shirts from you guys. And that's when I really learned that you can use fashion to make a political statement. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's when it hit me. I was like, Oh shit. Like, Okay, so it's not exploitative, exploitative if I come out with a t-shirt right now that says Black Lives Matter. It's, it's me being me and doing my part as a streetwear brand to put that out into the world. Mm. And then also taking the proceeds and donating them, right? So yeah, that's I, why I was like, we do need to come out with a line of products um, because um, that's in our ethos to, mm. is to, you know... Uh, do things that support the culture, right? Well, that's what, but that's what I mean, right? Like, and it's uh, my my point with the the transparency isn't strictly related to the protests or Black Lives Matter or anything like that. Yeah, it's just general. Like, right. why why are we not putting or yeah, why are we not making companies accountable for putting this like vague, ambiguous like phrase pro portion of the proceeds? Like, why are we not making them more accountable for that statement alone, right? Because if you think about it, it just, like I said, going back to this 1% example, that's borderline yeah. false advertisement. You're literally 1% okay, away from false, false advertisement. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is false advertisement. Yeah. And so I think there needs to be a shift in terms of how we hold companies and, and uh, corporations mm. accountable. And I think we're starting to see a, a big emergence of that. Um, yeah. you know, there's definitely like organizations that exist that help co contribute towards making sure that uh, companies and businesses stay accountable. Uh, you know, like with the, we did see, yeah, the Better so Business Bureau, et cetera, you know. Yeah, but, we saw a similar we saw a similar movement ten years ago uh, from climate change advocates, you know. Uh, yeah. people were like, Hey, you keep saying that your shit is green or, or whatever, like uh, you know, and we're not buying shit anymore that's going to be harmful to the environment. And so then there was like this big green movement that happened in America, right? Yeah. Where every everybody was like, all right, fuck, we got to come out with some organic products or we need to have an organic option or, or we need to make sure that, you know, our products are biodegradable or recyclable or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I think it, it's an interesting thought and it'd be, it'd be really cool to see something like that happen where maybe even the nonprofits that are supposed to be the benefactors of this, yep. of this quote unquote portion of proceeds, uh, uh, start to expose organizations, uh, start to expose businesses that aren't, you know, uh, doing what they say they're going to do. Right. So let me ask you about these bail funds. Have you done any research into the bail funds? I have not. I honestly can so say I have what not. I have not either. I haven't had the time. I've been really busy, especially this week. But w this thought actually just occurred to me earlier today that these bail funds that exist, they're really just benefiting or mostly benefiting uh, the people who are being arrested during the protests, right? That's where the bail funds kind of initiated or originated, right? right? Now, 
once the protests end, what's going to happen to the money in those bail funds if it's not used, right? Are those, like, who is running these bail funds? Who's in control? What is going to happen to that money? Are they going to be donating it to these charitable causes? Uh, are they going to be then, or, like, are they going to be redirecting those funds towards uh, black people who have been either wrongfully mm-hmm. imprisoned or are uh, serving longer sentences than they, they should have? Or, so, you know, something right. along those lines. Like, what exactly is the plan for that cash? Because logically, that's what it seems like would happen is they would either save it for the future where, you know, if if we have more protests where more people are being arrested, then it would be used for that or it would be used for their. I mean, I'm hoping that these organizations that are bail funds have existed for a long time and that they have, you know, some purpose that they serve outside of the time of protest. But I Um, I just meant to say that in line with like holding, you know, people accountable for for the situation and stuff. Right. So, yeah, I mean, look, as I started the statement earlier that this is a very volatile time i think we're going to still see a, a great monumental shift happen at some point yeah whether it be tomorrow Dude. a week month year whatever it is this is just the beginning i feel like this has become this like kickstarting situation yeah. right this uh, this incident specifically is now has now kickstarted a whole movement that has existed yeah. but is now going to gain further traction going forward I think so too, and it, it it was the perfect storm because, you know, there was a with within the American public there was a lot of pent up aggression. There was a lot of pent up frustration. Uh, frustration because we felt we felt like we weren't in control of our lives for the past three four months. You know, because of COVID nineteen, right? And this sort of just like uh, it gave people it, it gave people something to. Uh, a, a way to fu- it was perfect actually you know it, it was perfect in that sense like uh it gave people a reason to finally finally let out all that aggression and channel it into something that needed attention for such a long time yeah you know 100%. um so in a way the silver lining is we should be thankful to coronavirus <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if I should be saying that. My bad. <laughs> I mean, okay, since we brought up coronavirus quickly, I, I do want to yeah. address something that I've been seeing as of today. What's that? Uh, obviously, like, they've been saying that, like, COVID numbers are starting to rise again, or they're seeing mm-hmm. a, 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 surge, a resurgence of the numbers. Right. Let's just be very clear that this is, as of right now, the way it stands, it's completely unrelated to the protests. Right. It dates back to people going out barbecuing for Memorial Day or what was it, Mother's Day before that, etc. right? Yeah. Like all these kinds of things. Right yeah. now is too soon. I'm not saying it won't happen, but I'm right. saying right now is too soon to be blaming the protests for the rise in the numbers. Right. It takes two weeks before we will have any kind of indication as to uh, the connection to the protests with coronavirus, but I just right. wanted to put that out there. Um, this was a, yeah. a very... Uh, in-depth conversation i think like it was and and i think it's interesting that that you got called out that way and i'm not saying that you should have been called out personally but um i I think it's interesting that like people are now saying and seeing the like the impact that they have themselves Mm. to be able be able to help create that change like this person just messaged you and look at the look at what it kickstarted for you what it initiated for you right yeah 
And that's the thing. I think it, it opened up my eyes because in my eyes, I always thought, well, I'm not making enough money to be donating money. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, I'm not there yet as a brand to make a big enough change. I'm not Michael Jordan, you know, pledging a hundred million dollars over the next 10 years. And, and I think I, part of that comes from being just being, um, a, a very passive and a very critical person. I'm very critical of my own work. I'm very critical of my own, uh, achievements. Uh, and so part of that comes from me just never thinking that we were good enough to be considered an influential brand or good enough to be considered, um, uh, somebody that could lead change, uh, or wealthy and rich enough to be able to donate money. And so this was very eye opening in that sense where I was like, fuck, there are things that I can do like giving free consultation services that doesn't cost me a dime but that wealth of knowledge is worth a lot of money right. people people normally pay me by the hour for my consulting services right. and if and if i could do this for free that's something that i can really contribute um to this change right yeah. um and so i'm very thankful i'm very grateful uh that this happened um i don't um, I, I, I don't, um, I don't know what the word I'm trying to say is, but it, yeah, ex I'll leave it at that. I'm very grateful. I'm very thankful that this happened, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'll just leave it with one last kind of idea. And this is something that my dad has, uh, kind of instilled in me. Something he yeah. told me years ago was being charitable and being generous has never made anybody poor. Mm. Right. Think or about that. Drop the mic. It's not just Drop about being charitable. Mic. It's not just about being charitable with your finances, <laughs> no, right? Yeah. It's about your time, your effort, your voice, your mind, right. right? Your thoughts, the conversations that you have on a regular basis. It, yeah. You there's so many ways to be charitable that most people just think that donating money is the only way to be charitable. It's not. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's a conversation I had with somebody earlier was. Um, they were like, hey, listen, like, I, I'm not one of those people that feels comfortable going out to protest right now because, you know, um, I'm still very fearful of COVID-19 and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Uh, but he was like, yo, I, I just donated money where I thought was best needed, but I didn't advertise it. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there isn't one specific way to help. You can help in many different ways. And you shouldn't limit yourself to the ways that you can help. In my case, uh, there needed to be a uh, an eye-opening fundamental shift in the way the business is run mm -hmm. uh, and the way that the business thinks about the ecosystem that it's in. You know what I mean? I, right. I, I always focused our energy on South Asians. Uh, we've helped empower so many South Asian artists, so many South Asian designers, so many South Asian brands. Uh, we've helped so many South Asian youth feel closer to their culture just by providing our services. Mm -hmm. um, we've another way that we've given back to black culture and to streetwear culture is to simply by existing. You know what I mean? Like if you love something so much and you feel indebted to it, like I honestly feel indebted to black culture and to streetwear culture. That's why I continue to like carry it forward and, yeah. and carry forward because I want this culture to live on for longer. You know what I mean? Um, and so, um, 
there i forgot what i was saying my train of thought but basically there isn't just one way that that you can help but anyway so uh and i think we're just saying the same thing more than more than one time no, we're just repeating we're just trying ourselves. to drive it home you know yeah, I mean? yeah if it isn't if it hasn't driven home to you yet fuck off i don't care okay <laughs> i'm done saying my piece um that's it for today i think so do you have anything no i'm gonna fuck no fuck it you don't have a shit all right um <laughs> that's it for today's episode beautiful people of the world we love you uh both summit and i uh we thank you for your patronage as always uh, we hope that you are standing with us uh, in this struggle, in this fight against injustice, against the systemic racism that exists in this country, uh, along with the million other plagues that are in this world. Um, and um, we will see you next week. Um, and uh, that's it. Thank you guys for tuning in to yet another amazing episode of yet another podcast. Your boys, Summit and Thunmit. We are out. Peace. Peace. Classics. Classics.